0: Psalm 91, verses 1 to 4. It says this Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. And then Matthew 7, verses 24 to 28. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. I invite uh, Dan Bowering. Ah, oh, Dan Bowring is already at the front. See what he did there. Dan, good to see you. Um, you have this microphone. I think if I stand here, we both can both be in, in shot. Um, great to see you, Dan.
1: Thanks,
0: thanks, for, thanks for being here and doing this. And um, it's, it's, it's great to hear different voices. Um, in this series, uh, we had a lovely evening, didn't we, about two or three weeks ago? We were prepared long in advance for all this, weren't we? Um, around a fire pit in Dan and Hannah's garden. Weber, Weber fire pit. A Weber. A Weber Other fire pits are available? Yeah, OK, a Weber fire pit, very nice. Um, and uh, it's a very cool garden, actually. It's got a little trampoline in the ground. So if you're walking at night and you don't see it, you suddenly start bouncing. It's right there. Um, Why am I saying all this? Just to introduce you a little bit. I think uh, probably most of you know Dan and Hannah and Elise and Max, and they're they're a much beloved part of this church family. Um, I'll stop talking. I'll let you start talking. But why don't we just pray for Dan for a moment? Father, thank you for Dan. Thank you for the Bowerings. Thank you for the blessing that they are to um, this church family and to their neighbours and the people in their neighbourhoods. that you would uh, be with us all now. Send your spirit so that the words that Dan speaks would um, connect what you want to say to us and it would resonate in our hearts and bring change to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: it's a centre. Um, but in fact, the soul doesn't just need a centre, it inevitably will have one. Perhaps you've heard the famous saying, uh, nature abhors a vacuum. And ultimately, we choose, whether consciously or unconsciously, what that centre will be. There's a scene from the popular TV show, The Big Bang Theory. Has anyone seen that show, Big Bang Theory? Yeah? So it's very funny and the main character, his name is Leonard, his mother meets his love interest, who's Penny, in the lobby of uh, their block of flats. Now, Leonard's mother is a rather blunt but quite incisive uh, psychiatrist and Penny is this sort of bubbly young actress slash waiter. As they're walking up the stairs, Penny sort of happily announces uh, that she's an actress. To which Leonard's mother abruptly replies with one almost sort of crushing word, why? And uh, a confused penny says, what do you you mean, why? And and, um, Leonard's mother elaborates that studies have shown that many who go into performing arts suffer from an external locus of identity, meaning that you value yourself only as others value you. They begin to talk about Penny's childhood and by the time they've gone up a few flights of stairs and reached Lona's flat, Penny has broken down into tears and is sobbing about how her dad always wanted a boy. And um, it's a humorous clip that I haven't done justice and whilst it's a, probably quite a crude and reductionist rendering of psychoanalysis, the one phrase I want you to remember is external locus of identity. Uh, it sounds quite academic or even confusing but the meaning is very simple is that you place your sense of identity externally out yourself uh, in this case with 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 others locus is a related term to location roughly just means where something is placed or situated so an external sense of um, an external locus of identity means you get your sense of identity from how others see you This is often in terms of your physical appearance, your career success, your material wealth, amongst others. And it reminded me of a sermon uh, Joe preached a while ago, which he reflected upon the temptations of Jesus when he was fasting in the wilderness. And the temptations were to turn rocks into bread when he hadn't eaten for 40 days, uh, throw himself off a mountain and not die, or bow down and worship Satan, become ruler of the world and everyone love him. And Joe uh, rather brilliantly described these three temptations um, as being underpinned by three big lies, that you are what you have, you are what you do, and you are what people think of you. Three big lies. And I remember thinking at the time, what a simple and powerful sort of deconstruction. And I even texted Joe at the time, telling him how great it was. And uh, to his credit, rather than letting me believe it was his original brilliant thought he instantly replied yep i read it in this book um which i love about you joe that's fantastic um, and funny enough it's the perfect example of somebody not operating from an external locus of identity he didn't need to impress me his sense of identity wasn't coming from what i thought of him and i re-listened to the sermon it's on the all souls facebook page it's the second of may second of may service if you haven't listened to it, it's a really good sermon I re-listened it to clarify these three big lies that you are what you have, you are what you do and that you are what people think of you and they are a great example of this idea of an external locus of identity, the sense of who you are and your value coming from outside of yourself, from other people. Now for a psychotherapist the Opposite of an external locus of identity is, any guesses? Internal. Internal. Obvious once to think about it. Um, Your sense of identity coming from who you believe and know you are. And initially this sounds like a more stable and healthy place um, to have a locus of identity. But sometimes we tell ourselves and believe negative things about yourself have you ever told yourself the words you're so stupid or I'm so stupid when you make a mistake have you ever looked in the mirror and felt discontented have you ever felt disappointed when life hasn't turned out exactly as you planned it. Maybe your thoughts have been even darker. Maybe you've told yourself you don't deserve love or happiness. It's funny, sometimes we talk to ourselves in ways that we would never speak to others. We can be more harsh with ourselves than with anyone else. And equally, sometimes we can have illusions of grandeur, deep pride, sometimes we can be incredibly selfish, the things we tell ourselves, the things we believe about ourselves aren't always truthful or helpful. So I'd I'd suggest that both an internal and an external locus of identity is ultimately flawed. It will inevitably lead to problems with our sense of identity and discontent within our soul. But for a Christian, there's a third option. Rather than an internal or an external locus of identity, rather from our sense of identity coming from ourselves or coming from others, there's an upward locus of identity. Having our sense of identity based in God and seeing ourselves as He sees us. Having an upwards locus of identity is a firm and solid foundation from which we can build our internal sense of identity and confidently engage with external pressures and expectations just like in the reading we heard about the wise man who built his house upon the rock Um, I can't hear that verse without remembering uh, the song I don't know if any of you guys do famous kids song But he built his house on the rock the rains came down the streams rose the winds blew and beat against it yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock and for me the solid rock is our sense of identity in god the house is what we build ourselves our internal sense of identity and the weather is external factors sunny and bright one day potentially cold hard and unforgiving another this is a picture of a soul whose center is God a soul whose locus of identity is not internal or external but upwards now the bible says many and I don't use that word lightly many times how much God loves us how special we are how much he cares for us And it's truly worth reflecting on passages like in Isaiah 54 that says, The mountains may shift, the hills may be shaken, but my faithful love won't shift from you. This is God talking to us. My covenant of peace won't be shaken. Or in Ephesians 3 that says, I ask that you'll have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth. Together with all the believers, I ask that you'll know that the, the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God or in Romans 8 where we're told I'm convinced nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord not death or life or angels or rulers not present things, future things not powers or height or depth or any other thing that's created in fact if I I read out all of the verses the talk about how much God loves us his promises to us what he thinks about us we'd be here for how long, Joe? At least least the rest of the day. But if we truly want to place God at the center of our soul, it it takes more than just head knowledge of Bible verses. We We need to know it in our hearts, in our gut. We need to viscerally understand it, to live and practice it we need to experience God being at the centre of our soul in the way we heard earlier from Psalm 91 that whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty that the Lord is our refuge and our fortress our God in whom we trust who covers us with his feathers and under his wings we find refuge now you might be sitting there listening to me thinking, I understand what you're saying, it makes sense, it's a very good theological point. But how do you practically do it? How do you actually put God at the centre of the soul? Then how do you do it when you're faced with life? How do you do that when life doesn't go your way or when life is crushing? Or how do you do that when life is great? when having an external locus of identity is great and feels rewarding. You know, if life is 10 out of 10 for you, if all the external stuff makes you great, you may well ask, why shouldn't I be happy about my successes and my achievements? And those are very good questions. And what is absolutely true is that we should not ignore our external realities and our internal feelings we have about ourselves. In the tough times, we shouldn't repress and deny reality. In the good times, it isn't wrong to celebrate our successes or good fortune. But it is a mistake, I believe, to put these things at the center of your soul. That's not the basket to put your eggs in. That's a foundation made of sand, not rock. And the reality is, there's no simple formula, no silver bullet that can instantly put God at the centre of your soul. You may well as ask, may as, may as well ask, how can I make someone love me? Or what must I do to be completely healthy? A wry smile from Nick there. What I can tell is, this sermon, as you know, is one in a series on soul keeping. And if you related to that question of, yes, but how how do I actually put God at the centre of my soul? If that hit you, then keep that question in mind over the coming weeks. We'll be looking at how the soul needs a future, how it needs to be with God. It needs rest, freedom, blessings, satisfaction, gratitude, and and also the reality of the, the dark night of the soul. And they're all tied together. I think if you want one... First step. One uh, practice that will begin the process of putting God at the centre of your soul is this, Uh, and it won't magically mean God's at the centre of your soul. Yep, done that sorted. It's just a first step. But in the moments, good or bad, when you feel devastated or disappointed, or when you feel joyful elated because of how you feel about yourself or due to the external realities of your life in that moment just share it with God tell him how you feel and remember that in the good times and the bad you are still in the shadow of his wings In closing, I'm just going to reread the words from Psalm 91 from a slightly different translation. And if you feel that you want God to be more at the center of your soul or, or, or you want God to be the center of your soul, then as I read, just silently in your heart, just say to God, "I'm in the shadow of your wings." I'm in the shadow of your wings. And allow that to be a first step to putting God at the center of your soul or putting God more at the center of your soul than he is now. So if you'd like to close your eyes, I'm just going to really read the words of Psalm 91, 1-4. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the hunter and from the deadly pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall find protection. His faithfulness shall be your shield and war.